Welcome to Rock Talk, the show where a couple of jabronis get to know the movie roles of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I'm Jordan Rummel, joined as always by my good friend and co-host Charlie Guile. Charlie, how are you doing on this lovely, lovely Halloween day? I'm doing really well. Yeah, I had uh, Halloween festivities this weekend. I uh, went to a party and the uh, theme was Dead Rock Stars. So I uh, dressed up like George Michael. Had to break it to a couple of people there that George Michael was in fact dead. Uh, you hate to you hate to see that. <laughs> I was not counting on that, but uh, it was good. Uh, what did you do for Halloween? So I've actually so Rachel and I just moved moved into a new new house here. So that was Spooky. that was really this entire weekend. Yeah, a haunted house oh. maybe, uh, but that was really this whole weekend. We've just been moving. Uh, fortunately. Uh, this new home has a closet in which I get internet access. So I'm currently sitting here, uh, you know, surrounded by clothing, which makes for a pretty nice little audio experience, hopefully. Um, and and then tomorrow I'm going to be handing out some uh, delicious treats dressed up as uh, Dominic Toretto. No, are you really dressing up as Dominic Toretto? It's my only costume and it's also my best costume. <laughs> are you going to wear the bald cap or are you just going to shave your head? Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm actually, yeah, I'm going all in uh, for this Halloween. <laughs> Clean shaven <laughs> um, like a newborn baby. Yeah, a waxed skull. <laughs> um, but it's funny, in honor of Halloween, we are actually doing something a little special. It is a podcast switcheroo with our good friends. We told you about this a week ago, uh, but with our good friends at What You Gonna Do Podcast, their Twitter handle is at WGDPod. Uh, take a look at them when you get a chance, but normally on their show, they take a look at movies starring Hulk Hogan. So this week we thought we'd trade places. They're watching the Dwayne Johnson film Walking Tall, while we watch the unbelievable, incredible, jaw-dropping Hulk Hogan classic No Holds Barred. And it was insane. But first, as always, we will take a look at our rock news of the week. Mazel! That's fantastic news! Well, it was rumored, and now it's confirmed, Justin Lin is back for Fast and Furious 9 and 10. Woo! This is good news. Very, very good news. After Fast 8, you know, this is the first movie in the New Testament of the Fast and Furious franchise that wasn't directed by Justin Lin. And honestly, I thought it was a bit of a letdown. This is as good as it gets for Fast and Furious fans. Justin Lin returning to the franchise is the single greatest thing short of Han returning. Uh, that could that happen might be to the next, series. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think that it's fully possible. Justin Lin has been known to bend the rules of space and time in these movies. Uh, I would not be surprised if we got a kind of a best of, uh, but this is, this is super exciting and great for the, great for the franchise. And another sort of nugget is that Jordana Brewster is going to be back for Fast and Furious 9. So that means that they're probably going to have to address uh, Paul Walker's death. You know, in the movie, they didn't write, you know, they didn't, kill him off in the movie as far as the movie universe is concerned he's just off being a dad i'm telling you this is what we talked about this earlier today my prediction for this is that this movie cold opens with something to do with paul walker's character being murdered and they're all gathered at a funeral and that's sort of the the call to action to have the whole family back uh and it sort of sets up with a new bad guy new villain in the film so that i i, I 100 based on nothing other than this announcement uh, believe that that will be Act One of Fast and Furious Nine. 
Yeah, I could definitely see that. I just hope that they don't go the route of completely substituting him with his brother. So uh, anyway, this is good news all around. Next piece of rock news we have is The Rock took a trip to Comic-Con in California over the weekend, and uh, he was there to promote his upcoming movie, Jumanji. But I thought one of the coolest things that came out of that was he met briefly with Stan Lee, uh, the Marvel comic legend, and uh, he really wrote a heartfelt tribute to him on Instagram, and I thought I would uh, read the caption for you. It's a, it's a black and white photo of DJ meeting with Stanley, and the caption reads as follows. This man, this legend, when I first broke into Hollywood 17 years ago, Stanley, iconic co-creator of Spider-Man, Iron Man, Thor, Hulk, X-Men, Fantastic Four, Doctor Strange, etc., welcomed me with open arms, always offering sage advice to help build my career. Be imaginative, be imaginative and set no limits. Have fun, he said. Years had gone by, but at Stan's LA Comic Con, I had the opportunity to hug him again and say thank you. I was truly moved yesterday by his words regarding the career I've been fortunate enough to build. Much more to accomplish. Cheers, my friend, to imagination, no limits, and fun. Next time, tequila's on me. Your Black Adam. So I thought that that was a really cool tribute. Um, I didn't realize that Stan Lee was 90 years old. 90? Yeah. God, the guy's been around forever. Music. I, and I, I knew he was a legend, but I didn't realize that he created all those characters. That's uh, pretty amazing. And so, and and that that sign off with Black Adam, I believe, isn't that a, it's a reference to I think a role he's going to be playing? Well, it's been rumored, and Dwayne Johnson has met with Marvel creative teams, and as far as he knows, and I think it's in pre production, the Black Adam movie, uh, but nothing is necessarily set in stone. I don't know much about Black Adam, but uh, I look forward to more news coming out about that. And the, and the last piece of news we have here is uh, is something that was kind of fun. Michigan State's uh, head football coach was giving a uh, press conference this weekend after their game, and his phone went off in the middle of it. And it turns out it's Maui's song from Moana. I love this. I love it. You know, and it, it's kind of it's, it's inspired me to make "You're Welcome" my own ringtone. <laughs> um, I've been listening to it enough on Spotify that I feel like it's time to take that next step. Yeah, he yeah, obviously and, has. And you can uh, just text me if you want me to call you in like a social situation, so it goes off. Yeah, I can. That's how I can weed out like who will be my real friends. <laughs> yeah, if they don't like that, they didn't make the cut. <laughs> Charlie, thank you for that news of the week. And now it is time for Hulkamania, brother. All right, thank you for uh, bearing with me at that Hulk Hogan impression. Uh, Today we are taking a look at the movie No Holds Barred. It's a 1989 PG-13 action movie uh, with a budget of around $8 million. This movie made uh, about double that, uh, a little over $16 million domestically. Its pop culture uh, legacy today is, is one of kind of schmaltz and schlock, but it is notable in that... The title of the movie, No Holds Barred, was later co-opted by the actual Worldwide Wrestling Federation uh, and was created into a type of match. Uh, so a No Holds Barred match is where wrestlers fight with no rules. Uh, so that should kind of give you a sense of what we're looking at today. And um, is, is this the first ever WWF movie? As far as I as far as I know, it is. Um, I you know I don't know. I don't know. I w- I would not be surprised because I'm this, just gonna go with. They it. didn't have anyone truly marketable before Hulk. Uh, uh, on this kind of a level. 
Yeah, you had like Andre the Giant, but yeah, you're right. Before that, the WWF wasn't big enough to, you know, put out an entire movie. And it's interesting to note that Hulk Hogan and Vince McMahon were both producers on this movie. And when they saw the first draft of the script, uh, they didn't like it. And they stayed up for 72 straight hours and rewrote it together. And it shows. (laughs) This has Hulk all over it. All right, let's take a look here. We I want to just jump into this movie. There is so much we're going to have to talk about here. Uh so let's just let's just get through act 1, give you a sense of where we're where we're coming from. Act 1. Rip Thomas, played by Hulk Hogan, is the World Wrestling Federation heavyweight champion, and his appearances on network television have been a thorn in the side of Brell, played by Kurt Fuller, the head of the struggling World Television Network. The day after Rip's most recent title match, Brell attempts to bribe the champion into joining his network, but Rip declines his offer. After Rip disposes of Brell's thugs on his way home, we cut to a scene of Brell visiting the No Count Bar, where he comes up with his own wrestling program called Battle of the Tough Guys. The show is successful due to the introduction of Zeus, played by Tommy Tiny Lister, an ex-convict and former protege of Rip's trainer, Charlie. Zeus wins the $100,000 tournament and becomes Brell's prized fighter. All right, so just from the get-go, Charlie, I want to, like, so we, we get this this Rip Thomas played by Hulk, and what are your thoughts on Rip right off the bat? Well, I strongly feel that Rip is a rip-off of Hulk Hogan's everything. They didn't even try to change the character of Hulk Hogan. They just changed his name. And my thought is, I'm not sure why. Why didn't you just make this a movie, like a fictionalized version of Hulk Hogan's life. I completely agree. This there is you know no doubt about it this is just Hulk even down to the the his intro music is almost a, is almost a, a, like a shot for shot version of his actual wrestling intro music. And you know I mean it's a difficult you know question in general because this is a movie and we're supposed to believe that he's the greatest wrestler in I guess the world. You know but at the same time like Hulk Hogan is not a good wrestler. He's a good wrestling personality, he's charismatic, but he's a brawler. So it's funny to me that this, you know, we've this whole movie is built upon the fact that he's the greatest wrestler in the world, uh, when he's really just the most charismatic wrestler in real life, but they didn't even allow his charisma to come through in this movie. Yeah, See, well, not only is he the greatest wrestler in this movie, he's the greatest philanthropist, he's the greatest boyfriend, he's the greatest restaurant goer. He is the greatest everything in this movie. And as much as we like, especially in the early Rock movies, we we sort of hate on them for like, he, you know, the Rock's character can't be unlikable. This movie takes it to a whole other level. Hulk Hogan's character, Rip, will interrupt board meetings saying, well, what about my charity work, brother? (laughs) Right. And, And by the way, that charity is like for children's sports, just sport. It's like children's sport. Um, but it is, it's, it's every called single... sports for kids. Yeah. <laughs> Which by the way, sounds great, but you're right. And that restaurant scene, uh, which, you know, we'll get to that, but my guy, like he just all of a sudden speaks French in the middle of this restaurant or Italian. Like, I, I could talk for three hours about that scene. So I can't wait. Well, I guess that is an act one. I have a hard time coming up with like, why is Brell or Kurt, Kurt Fuller's character? Why is he really the bad guy? Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. So all Brell wants, all Brell, as far as I can tell, Brell just owns a competing wrestling network and is offering Rip more money to join his program. He doesn't kill anyone. He's not bribing. 
I like that's like that's why I don't well, understand. Like the language is bribing, but I don't understand that. He's just offering him a better contract. Basically, Rip won't leave the WWF because why? He's just so loyal to this corporation. Right. Well, that's we that's not very we're compelling. never given we're never given like a, you know, it's not as if he has family in the organization. Like we don't see him come up through it. Like that I was very confused by that. And the fact that there was there seemed to be no, you know, I kept waiting for a Vince McMahon character to be like, no, Rip, like, we, you know, he's got to stick with us. Like, we're here for the people. Like, we're not given a reason why Rip shouldn't leave his unnamed, like, wrestling federation. Like, it's so vague and ambiguous. And I don't, like, to me, to 20 minutes into this movie, I am so confused why he wouldn't have joined Brell's network. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, but it doesn't, like, he says that his, that's a big point in this movie is, my word is my bond, brother. He says no to Brell, but he still takes a meeting with them. So I guess that I don't know. Anyway, I am obsessed with Kurt Fuller's character in this movie. I think it is he's amazing. So right after we see the initial fight in the first act uh, to sort of show Rip's wrestling prowess, it cuts straight to the competing television network's conference room where all these network executives are gathered in this conference room that has no table in it, but it's a bunch of like wheelie office chairs sort of scattered around this. this yeah. Why room. are they sitting like home theater style in a room? It doesn't but, make any sense. That makes it sound more organized than it is. I mean, it's <laughs> absurd. Also it's decorated like the places in Japan. <laughs> right. Well, I have a theory that they just took whatever was on set. Be like this, this, if this was the first wrestling movie, I think they just used like wrestling set pieces to make this entire movie. Like, yeah. I think this was made from like scrap material from like WWF sets from the seventies. And so all, you know, these network executives are uh, trying to pitch new television show ideas to Brell because he's so upset because he has to have a wrestling show because apparently in the 1980s, wrestling was the, the thing that Americans watched the most. Yeah, he, he keeps saying we're last in the ratings, which and cracked so, me up. Like last in the ratings of what? Like just just strictly in wrestling? Like what is? <laughs> well, there's this one guy who stood up and is like, "Well, what about uh, a new game show?" And he's like, "Shut up!" And then this woman stands up and pitches something, and he says something to her that is so absurd, I wouldn't even know how to take it. Uh, maybe we should just play the clip right here. So, Ms. Tidings, you survive my little purge, reward my faith in you. <clears throat> I have taken the liberty of asking a writer to work up a high-concept sitcom. Next! Ms. Tidings, take a leak. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, Jordan. Okay. If you, if somebody like interrupted you and said, take a leak, how would you respond? She acts like she was well, just slapped. Well, that's first of all, I would not run out of the room crying. That's the yeah, first that's thing I would sure. not do. And that is exactly what Miss Tidings does. Um, there is so much to unpack 
in in just that one little moment. First of all, what is his little purge, and why does he say it like that? Like, so I think <laughs> I think what happened, and it was never explained, but it seems like Brell was brought in to sort of you know wipe the slate clean and turn this network around. Any sort of exposition to explain that would have explained his character a lot more. And that's, you know, it's it's interesting because so much of this movie feels like it was left out of the editing room. Like, there are bits and pieces of footage that I'm positive were cut from this movie because it jumps from scene to scene with reckless abandon for any kind of exposition. You know, we've sometimes looked at rock movies where there's too much exposition, an entire act one. This has maybe three sentences of exposition and then just jumps from scene to scene with just total abandon for for anything uh, that's going on in this movie. What do you think? So I want. So the other thing, I just gotta say, Drell uses the the phrase, and I've never heard this before. This movie, uh, the he uses the term "jock ass" <laughs> yeah, like five calls, or six times in this film. Hulk Hogan a jock ass. I is that a thing? I don't think so. I don't know. I've never heard that before. But it sounds like one of those things that somebody's trying to start. You know. Like uh, when you like really want to go by a nickname and he's like drop it casually in the conversation. <laughs> you just hope other people pick up on it. It's like Kurt Fuller's character has been calling people jock asses, just hoping it catches on. I got it. I have to say, I find it to be like a threatening term. Like I do. I think it's an effective word. Well, only it, when you're describing an athlete. I want that jock ass on this network. <laughs> like I, I don't. It kind of makes me jumpy. Like I, I kind of get scared. Like I, I think it's effect. I, it, it built fear in me of Mister Drill. Um, but you know what? Uh, did not build fear in me. Um, built something a lot closer to arousal. Uh, was the the black and red leotard Rip wears for about sixty percent of this movie. <laughs> the amount of matching do rags to his outfits <laughs> in this movie is insane it's like every scene he's wearing a new outfit that's essentially the same thing like a a spandex vest with the matching do-rag there's also so we haven't even spoken about uh his his rips fight with these like henchmen on his way home from his meeting with drell and i think what's like a parking garage yeah drell tries to kidnap him so what happens is that drell brings him in for a meeting offers him more money to join his network uh Rip says no. He stuffs the check that Drell wrote him into some executive's mouth and says, <laughs> I wrote it down. I have like the craziest notes on this. Uh, he says, I won't be around when that check clears. Yes. So yes. what's the implication here? Is that a poop joke? I think it is. I think it is a poop joke. So if he makes him eat it and he's saying, I won't be around when you poop it out. Yeah, which which you know I wouldn't expect him to be there, but I no, I yeah, exactly. I love so like Hulk speaks in this movie in either grunts or like one liners like that, like really absurd cheesy one liners. Like that's to me like his, his I think he has maybe twenty lines of dialogue, but all of them are like Hulk speaking French at a restaurant, Hulk having a witty comment with Samantha when they're in the bed. Like it's all very specific one-line phrases you're using the term witty liberally if you think that there's any wit in this movie uh 40 <laughs> percent of the dialogue in this movie is not spoken it is screamed or grunted yeah that i have to that got by like halfway through the movie it was a lot it's just it's everyone is yelling everyone is screaming 
But anyway, so uh, Kurt Fuller's character tries to, I guess, kidnap Rip. So his limo driver takes him to like this parking garage where these guys are going to beat him up, which leads to just obviously Rip beating up all these henchmen. And another amazing moment. That Iconic. I, yeah, I guess we should just play the clip again because it's almost too unbelievable. <laughs> What's that smell? And it lasts like a weird extra beat, right? It's like they leave it on Hulk's face after that guy says Dookie and he's still just like. (laughs) (laughs) So that makes me so uncomfortable. I hate that it it gives you we get like a slow pan up of the guy's like totally soaked pants. That just looks like straight up blood. Oh, (laughs) but it's it's crazy. Within the first 15 minutes of this movie, you get two poop jokes like that should be all the tone setting you need for what you're going to yeah, get. Yeah, for all that we've talked about this movie already, we're only 17 minutes into the movie. <laughs> oh god. So let's just let's get to act 2 because there's so there's plenty to get through there. So post Dookie, uh you know, we get a scene of Brell and his henchmen. They're they're trying to find, you know, the next big wrestler. What are they going to do if Rip's not going to join the network? Who are they going to sign? What are they going to do? They go to this bar. It's called the No Count Bar. Um, but the, the bar in this movie is so gross. It's so they went. This is probably the most money in this film. I'm convinced was spent making this bar look as disgusting as possible. Not a single cent was spared. We've got you know every you know like those Stefan sketches from SNL where he'd be like, "It's New York's hottest club." There's a dog wearing rollerblades in the middle of uh, igloo, like. That's what this bar felt like to me. Yeah, it is exactly a Stefan bar. This bar has everything. As all Stefan bars have a midget somewhere. And in this case, there's a little person up in a cage. But he seems to be really enjoying it up there. Yeah, so he's there is there's this there's this little person uh in like a bird cage. Hanging above again. Also, there's a wrestling ring in this bar, lest we forget to mention that. But he's in a cage above it with what I think are uh, like a, a thing of bananas, and he's like throwing quarters at people. I don't know. I don't know what's going on up there. This is all. All of the stuff that we're talking about is in one movie. <laughs> in and and in the first twenty minutes of the movie, we're in movie. <laughs> or we're in minute twenty four right now. <laughs> oh my god! So. Uh, they're in this this bar, uh, which again is just vile, and and we we see that there's like just all these like just gross dudes beating each other up in the middle of the ring without any rules, no referee, uh, and Brell's like, you know, where are the rules? Where's the ref? And the guy goes, you know, we fight until you can't get up or something to that effect, uh, and that pretty much sets the stage for Brell coming up with this idea for Battle of the Tough Guys. Yeah, brilliant name there. Yeah, seriously, really went all out. And when he splurged on the creative time, it's like drum roll, like, and we're gonna call it Battle of the Tough Guys. Which another, I didn't know. Like, 
if I didn't know better, that would be, I, I would think he was doing that to be funny, but I don't think he is. No. Yeah, it's, I mean, it sounds exactly like what it was, which is Vince McMahon and Hulk Hogan on cocaine in a hotel room for 72 <laughs> hours. Oh, God. This, and like, by the way, this, this entire sequence in this bar makes for some of the weirdest interactions in the movie there's a moment where the two henchmen and i apologize i don't know their names um, but they go into the bathroom at one point because they're so gross yeah, these out. are the network the network executives right right the the exit the execs they they both go to the bathroom uh which which i love the way that this bathroom is is displayed like first of all it's horrible there's a big graffiti that says VD room for venereal disease and and there's like a <laughs> like a there's like a huge like Rottweiler chained up. Why is there a junkyard <laughs> dog in the bathroom? <laughs> I don't know, I, but I love it. Like to me, this was so funny. Like this was all spot on. This is what I want from this movie. Like just insane. Like the bathroom, the like they, it was like a big urinal trough that was just overflowing. And it's overflowing. There's like algae on top of it, as if there's pond water in there. Oh God! And this also this becomes pretty much the site of the inaugural Battle of the Tough Guys event. Uh, in which we meet the 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 main bad guy, the or I guess the the Hulk Hogan antagonist, Zeus, uh, and Zeus is just something else. Uh, Charlie, what do you think? This the way he but he busts through the wall of the bar. That's his entrance. <laughs> That's his. He's like the Kool Aid Man. You know. You know what he <laughs> looks like. He looks like Anthony Davis from the New Orleans Pelicans if he played football and lost his damn mind. Yes, it's a crazy Anthony Hop with with uh with a uh like a, a it's a it's more eye. than a lazy eye. It's like I've never His seen eyes an eyeball about to fall out. It's so intensely like pointed inward. Like we've said, we've said that there's a lot of screaming in this movie, a lot of growling. I mean, this guy he might as well have been a character on Dragon Ball Z. Like he yells pretty much from start to finish. There's only one moment in the movie that he actually says words. But other than that, every other time it's or yeah or Zeus. <laughs> yeah, lot of lot of like <laughs> he has a Vin Diesel voice when he does speak. Uh, for what it's worth, as far as Battle of the Tough Guys goes, one of my favorite things is that nobody seemed to be interested in it uh, until Kurt Fuller said it prize was ten thousand dollars. Was it ten or a hundred thousand? One hundred, which which okay. doesn't really make a difference though. Right, he says. And the winner will get $100,000. And then nobody's interested. And then he says, tax free. <laughs> and then like you cuts to all these people's faces like almost it's almost comedic. Yeah, you get like you get shots of like a lumberjack like leaving his axe and a steel worker like abandoning his post, a truck driver like, "Whoa!" <laughs> yeah, I wasn't interested in that $100,000 cuz I thought the government would take 30% of it. <laughs> but now that I know I'm getting the full 100, you know, it's insane. God. All right. So that's act 1. That sets the stage for where we're going. Uh you we you you finally get a sense of Zeus. Um but we're headed now to act 2. Uh where we we meet another amazing character, and that's Samantha, and she's played by Joan Severance. That Samantha is a beautiful corporate spy. Now she's sent by Brell to seduce Rip, as we later find out. However, Rip's good nature and dedication to children-based charities wins her over, and she confesses her identity to the wrestler and turns to be on his side. So after his plot fails, Brell sends a henchman to attack Samantha in a parking garage. 
Rip foils the plot and dispatches the would-be sexual assaulter into a tree trunk. Meanwhile, Brell and Zeus crash an outdoor charity event that Rip is appearing at, demanding that Rip prove his honor by fighting Zeus live on Brell's new show, Battle of the Tough Guys. Once again, Rip avoids violent conflict with Zeus, not wanting to set a bad example for the children present. Instead, he attempts to reason with Brell, who leaves in anger. Rip's younger brother, Randy, played by Mark Pellegrino, and his friend, Craig, decide to check out Zeus for themselves. They attend an illegal fight being held in a warehouse. <laughs> Zeus identifies Randy as Rip's younger brother and brutally beats him, sending him to the hospital with multiple neck wounds. Enraged, Rip accepts Zeus's challenge in order to avenge Randy. Whoa. So, okay. So, so we meet samantha we meet randy first let's talk about samantha because wow this movie i don't really know her role these are the weirdest (laughs) these are i mean we've talked about some crazy scenes these are straight up bonkers like the scenes with samantha where there i think there's supposed to be sexual tension there of which there is none and it just lingers there's like the the amount of time that neither character is speaking to each other yeah is so uncomfortable if you're out there and you are thinking to yourself, you know what I would really like to see in a movie? Hulk Hogan kissing someone or Hulk Hogan wearing underwear. Then No Holds Barred fulfills that on multiple fronts. It's so strange. It is insane. First of all, I don't want to think about Hulk Hogan in any sort of sexual situation or romantic situation because he's such an odd looking person. You have how, like, darkly tan he is. That's so stark, starkly different from, like, his bleached blonde hair that and the male pattern baldness. It's, it's so grody. weird. It's so grody. But but they, this movie does posit him as some sort of sexual icon. Like, there's no denying it. Like, the way that he speaks in this movie and the way that Samantha falls for him, like... This movie asks you to believe that he is this sexual debonair being. Uh, well, keep in mind, Hulk Hogan wrote this part. So, of course, he, you know, I guarantee you that this is what went down. It's like <laughs> he and Vince McMahon in this hotel room and Hulk Hogan's like, you know what, brother? This is my first movie. I'm going to kiss one of them actresses, brother. Yeah, get me a real pretty one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, so... I want to talk, so let's just go through each each little sequence with Samantha. There's only a few, so we can get, kind of get through them. We meet her in the board meeting, and that's when, I know you had said, Rip says, like, what about my charity work? But I got to say, when they meet, you know, it's supposed to be like, now, Rip, like, this is your publicist, Samantha. She's now going to help you out. First thing that Rip does is suck his thumb and, oh and stare at no, her. No, he doesn't suck. He bites it. No, I don't know oh. if that's better. I hate that. I hate that so much. Um, he gives a little nibble. What What really is interesting is that she ends up leading. She ends up asking him out on a date, like five minutes into this boardroom meeting. Okay, so love this restaurant scene. They go in this after the boardroom scene. Like they, she asks him on a date within the first five minutes. They end up, I like, not twenty seconds later in movie time at like what appears to be the fanciest restaurant in a church also i think it's a church uh, yeah it is definitely in a church there is stained glass uh and it pans down and it's like then it's like a french restaurant and you have the most stereotypical like waiter who is you know so snobby and he doesn't think hulk knows anything about french food 
Uh, it's insane. <laughs> I love. We first we gotta just hear it. We do have to just hear it. We need to yeah. hear like the interaction. <laughs> yeah, with no hamburger American. You're uh, n- yeah. not a boy. Madame, Monsieur, may I recite the specialty du jour? May we be in Le cannelle au champignon. Le... Le quiche aux escargots. Les légumes patronais sont asparagus, en sauce hollandaise, au petit pois humbert. Pêche le madame. I recommend the quiche. <laughs> That's uh, cheese pie with uh, snails to you. No, I don't think no, that he... No, 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 But I'm afraid that Monsieur is looking for the hamburger American or the outlong dog. He will not find them on our menu. Rip, why don't you try the beef burger It's like stew. Monsieur le Rip, boy. You should have said our friend is here. Monsieur le who? Entron is new. You must forgive him. Monsieur le Rip. The usual? Oui, bien sûr. J'ai faim. Okay, so that waiter is amazing. Uh, a foot long, a hot dog. Yeah, really stretch that G out. Um, yeah, you really got to hit that G. My question is, why is the waiter such a jerk? Like, And then he goes, after the, the, chef, the head chef comes out and like scolds him a little bit, and he goes... Monsieur Lahill. <laughs> like, was he putting on an accent the whole time? Or it's really unclear. It's also, you know, we've been saying that Hulk is wearing some incredible clothing in this movie. He's wearing a full white suit in this it's restaurant. Glorious. And I will say, Samantha's wearing all black. And that's a little oh. bit of a foreshadowing because she's a double agent, folks. So I didn't even get that. From the first watch, like, I, I don't even think I really knew she was a true double agent until you were reading this. I just thought that she legitimately was his publicist. Yeah, there's one scene where she's with Brell, um, where he's like, so you were sent there to do this. Like, he's, he's sort of giving her the whole, the whole rundown. Um, but again, I sincerely believe this movie, there's like 10 scenes missing. Because we missed that, and then we also miss... This next scene where we get Samantha and Hulk in a hotel room. Um, oh, my God. So, like, I have so many problems with this scene. This I'm so for like this scene opens up with Samantha's like mad at him. They go into the hotel room and she's like in the bathroom, like being like, like rip. She's like making fun of him and like being like acting like he just pissed her off. Meanwhile, Rip is in the hotel room and he knows that she's uncomfortable sleeping next to him because for some reason they have like a single twin bed or something. Okay, well, let's back up. <laughs> why why did they go out of town? Right. There's they go on the plane, I think solely to go to a diner is all I can 
figure out from this. That's all I can gather. I think she mentioned like, oh, we'll be signing autographs. But did they get on a plane to sign autographs somewhere? Right. There's there, there there's no wrestling. I wonder that too. Like that doesn't make any sense. Um, and it seems like a small town. So are you telling me that this hotel in this small town is completely booked and I can't get another hotel room? Especially for like the world's biggest star at the time. Oh, yeah. It's like he's world famous and everybody knows everything about him. It's insane. But uh, lucky for us, they do have to share a hotel room. Um, <laughs> lucky for Which us. means that we get, first of all, about nine minutes of Hulk Hogan wearing some sort of like little red frilly underwear. <laughs> it, they're like pink or red super super short shorts and then later you find out that he's wearing like <laughs> pink bikini underwear underneath <laughs> them it's like the only thing that could be shorter than those shorts would be like a string bikini underwear now it's it's so odd because they have like it's again it's like this weird like sexual tension that doesn't really exist um and he like builds he builds a whole like he makes the bedroom almost like a fort so that they don't yeah, have to see each other. He a a curtain that'll go down the middle of the bed. But it's okay. So he, I'm going to say something and I know that we have sort of philosophical differences on this. I think that Hulk Hogan in this movie when he's not growling, when he's with his brother or with his, when he's with Samantha, I find you're about him about to regret whatever you just said, no, whatever you're about to say. Hulk Hogan in No Holds Barred is a total sweetheart. And he is. Oh my God. No. He is reading off cue cards. He's the most. He's so endearing. At this part of the movie, he's like trying no. to make it comfortable for her. She doesn't want to be in this room with him. Hey, dummy, sleep on the floor. No, but he, he wants to sleep in a bed. He, he's a big time. He, uh, no, he doesn't even sleep. As we see, probably the weirdest uh, part of this movie is when they finally, like, they, they're sort of fighting. It's like sort of trying to build sexual tension. He mentions, like, I'm sure you date people all the time. She says, no, I'm too busy to date. And it's like supposed to be emotional. He's like, yeah, I know what you mean. And then there's a beat and she goes, okay, well, I'm going to bed. And then she wakes up in the middle of the night. No, no. It's like, it's like minutes later. Like, I don't even think, I don't think she went. I think they just shut the light off. I don't know if it's in the middle of the night. It's hard. It's like bouncing on the other side of the bed and she can't see him because the curtain's in between them and she doesn't know what's going on there. It goes long enough to where there's something being implied. Now, and my question is, what is being implied? It is 100% Hulk Hogan jerking one out on the other side of the bed. <laughs> you really think that this movie... Uh, you really think that, though? This movie showed a, a close-up of a man's soiled poop pants this movie's and it made and it made another poop joke this movie's all about this kind of thing it's like the most tongue-in-cheek like like the bed shaking and making all these squeaks and he's like oh my god like hulk hogan is like tugging one out in the bed i don't i don't think so uh the poop pants was okay because it wasn't rip this is rip so you really think that Hulk Hogan would write this into a movie to like no that's a Vin- that's a vince so. mcmahon edition <laughs> yeah, maybe Vince McMahon <laughs> snuck this in until, and Hulk didn't know until the day of shooting. He's like, wait, what am I supposed to do, brother? Okay, uh, but okay. But anyway, <laughs> continuing the scene, she finally does peek over the curtain 
and sees what initially looks like a bare butt. <laughs> and then you kind of realize that it's like his heels on the side of the bed. And then <laughs> she looks over a little higher and you see his actual butt. <laughs> because, you can't, you can't. because he's doing push-ups in his bikini <laughs> underwear. You get a fake out. You get fake butt. And then full-on Hulk butt <laughs> within five seconds. But my question, <laughs> my question is, do you think that they meant to do that? <laughs> okay. All right. All right. You want my answer? There's no way. <laughs> okay. There's no way that Hulk Hogan would agree to spend. <laughs> It's like, we're going to fake you out with a butt, but then show you a butt. And he's, he's, he's furiously doing push-ups. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And, okay, okay. And by, that's what I was going to say, though, is that he must have been okay with it because he spends this entire 10-minute scene like fully exposed. Like I think that I could, I could draw you a picture of Hulk Hogan's anatomy after watching that, <laughs> that hotel room scene between the spandex and the short shorts. Yeah. You get there. Um, I do want to say in this hotel scene, like this is why, okay. Hulk, Hulk starts throwing out these amazing lines. Um, when he jumped, he right after this push up scene, he jumps on the bed and, and immediately it breaks. And and then she rolls onto him and she goes, he goes, we wouldn't have had this problem if you stayed on your side of the bed. And then she says something, da, 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 da. And then he goes, you don't need this because you built bigger walls than I ever could. Yeah, what is he trying to say? I don't know. Was he trying to say, like, I, I made the curtain, but the walls that you put up are even bigger? I think that's what he's getting at. <laughs> but, yeah, I wrote that line down, too. I took so many notes during this hotel scene. I want most of them are in all caps yes. <laughs> because I have questions. Uh, I have the phrase here. "What is happening?" written about three <laughs> times in this scene. <laughs> Me too. Uh, I can't take it. Uh, <laughs> also, the music—it's all with like this, like slow jazz, like orchestral oh, number. The music is insane in this movie. Oh my god! Oh gosh! We haven't even talked about the actual plot or Zeus or anything like that. No, but here's what's weird: is that we have hit pretty much each scene like plot wise this movie is is though all you gotta know is that well i guess it leads up to this next thing we meet randy okay and randy as we said he gets that's zip rips younger brother is named randy and it also marks the second episode of this podcast in which there is a a young man named randy um starring in the movie and randy basically gets the snot kicked out of him when he goes to see zeus wrestle and it's not just like gets this knock like like I don't know what happens. We watch the scene. It looks like he just sort of gets punched in the face. Randy is suddenly in the hospital on like life support. <laughs> yeah, it's like he's in traction. <laughs> and I'm not entirely sure what happened. It kind of reminds me of in Bloodsport when the American guy uh gets taken out by Chung Lee. And you think he's dead, but then they cut back to him at the end of the movie. He's like drinking a beer in the hospital bed. He's just got his head all bandaged up. 
Yeah. Um, okay, so that's let's just basically let's get to see Act Three because this basically sets up Act Three where Rip agrees to now fight Zeus because Zeus has injured Randy. Okay, Act Three. On the night of the big match, Brel has Samantha kidnapped, and he orders Rip to throw the match after ten minutes if he wants her to live. Zeus has the upper hand as the as the fight starts, ruthlessly pummeling Rip at every turn, even at one point trying to kill him uh, by ripping out a steel post from the ring and trying to run it through Rip's head. Uh, Randy's cheers. <laughs> Randy uh, is yeah. You thought Randy was going to be in the hospital. Uh, he's here at the wrestling ring. Uh, he's cheering and he he gives Rip energy, who gains even more energy upon seeing that Samantha has somehow escaped her confinement. Uh, Rip and Zeus continue their battle, going up through the stands as a disbelieving Brel watches from his control room. Rip ends the match, knocking Zeus off of a catwalk, uh, causing him to fall through the ring, uh, which shatters to the ground and he loses. A frustrated Brel begins destroying the electrical equipment in the control room, during which he touches an exposed live wire and dies from electrocution. Um, with his enemies now vanquished, Rip celebrates his victory with Randy and his friends, and suddenly the movie ends. Uh, wow. So, Charlie, this final fight scene here, uh, we get a, a big fight. Uh, we get a, 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 a death I'm out of nowhere at the end of this movie. Uh, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, I was pretty much through with this movie by the time that this scene came around. You know, all the insane parts, the most insane parts of the movie had already passed. So, at this point, yeah, you have Randy getting beaten up by Zeus and Rip taking up uh, Brel's offer to fight Zeus in the final match of Battle of the Tough Guys. Yeah, I mean, it's like a 25-minute like wrestling match, and they show you everything uh, it's almost like Malice at the Palace, the fight between the Pacers and the Pistons, like back in 2003. Yes, and that, all like, up in the stands. Yes, it's all up in the stands. They end up going into the control room. Brel dies a horrible death, uh, <laughs> and and uh, you know, and everyone ends up happy? Question mark. It's just like that's the thing. There's really not much to say in this final act because we don't know what happens with Samantha. I guess we just imagine that they're together. We don't know what happens to Randy um, because halfway through this fight, he like sacrifices his body uh to stop zeus um but at that moment in time like randy's in a wheelchair and a neck brace so like randy is is probably in even worse shape than he was moments ago and i don't really know what's like rip doesn't have much of a future outside of i guess just wrestling and working with his charity which you know maybe that's what he wanted all along that lady are together i guess right there there was no love back I could get back into that relationship if we want, because I have problems with the wet mouth sounds that they make when they kiss in this movie. First of all, the fact that they kiss is pretty gross, but then the sounds that they make are just like, oh, it's like somebody really chowing down on some yogurt oh. or something. Oh, my God. Um, that's disgusting. It's also, that's exactly true. I think, I think maybe uh, Hulk Hogan's never loved a woman. I think that might be it. At least up until this point in the movie, I think at 1989, it's safe to say Hulk Hogan had never kissed another human. Maybe that's why he has to tuck one out on the hotel bed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't handle this movie. This movie has broken me. I don't think we've ever. 
I don't think we've ever reached a point taping this podcast where things grind to a halt because it can't <laughs> s- stop laughing because it doesn't make any sense. Well, that's that's it's so true. Like, you know, even in the craziest of Dwayne Johnson movies and we watched The Tooth Fairy, there's some some you know where the movie's going. It still tells a story. This movie doesn't so much as tell a story as it does give you 20 minute insanity sections like just over and over and over again and you're left just breathless and and feeling faint and just win i feel like i was in a match with rip you know that's how i feel like at the end of this movie i just got out of the i feel like i just lost a no holds barred match uh really it's a collection of like crazy scenes that really don't have that much to do with each other um yeah, I mean, it ends, and I guess everyone's happy except for Drell. But the whole thing is, like, Rip was fighting, I guess, Randy. You could say he was fighting for Randy. But my biggest problem with this movie is that Rip, he has, like, this loyalty to a corporation. Like, as if uh, that should count for anything. Right. How many good guys out there in movies are fighting for a big, unnamed corporate entity? Yeah. It just seems insane to me. Would you recommend people watch this movie? Um, I, I, I would, um, if, if only to understand what it is that we just went through. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a shared experience. I think sure. it's fun with friends. I think that it, I don't know if it holds up on repeated viewings. It's not like I, I don't. This is our second time to watch it and it held up. Well, that's, you're, you're right. But that's like, I couldn't watch this casually, uh, on multiple, oh, like no. this, this was good to like really soak in the meat of this movie. Um, <laughs> and we just about soaked in Hulk Hogan's meat <laughs> with all those tiny, tiny shorts. Mm. All right, folks, that just about does it for this special Halloween edition of Rock Talk. Uh, again, big thanks to our buddies at What You Gonna Do Podcast. Again, that's WGD Pod. Be sure to check out their episode of Walking Tall. I can't wait to listen and see what they thought of that movie. And don't worry if that's one of your favorite rock movies or even if it isn't, we are going to be taking a look at that one in an upcoming episode as well. So stay tuned. Uh, Again, this is the number one iTunes reviewed, Stitcher reviewed, SoundCloud reviewed, Dwayne Johnson themed podcast on the Internet. And as always, it's been one heck of a ride. We're doing the Lord's work. You're helping us out. You're listening to Rock Talk. (laughs) 